So anyhow, where was I? Uh, where was I? Where's my talk for to? <laughs> Just out of curiosity, has every, anybody ever gone to Peppa Pig World? I've been actually wanting to do that for a long, long time. Hello, everyone. Hello, welcome. Um, great to have you all with us. My name's Raj. And you know what? It's nearly Christmas, isn't it? So can we have a big woohoo from the kids? Now, normally I have to do that twice, but not this time. That was pretty impressive. In 1904, we're relatively new to this building. In 1904, this building opened to the public with its pews filled to the brim. Such excitement, such expectation, such a thrill. And over a hundred years later, in our new home, along with our very faithful friends at uh, Yarm Road Methodist Church, we are full again. So thank you all for coming. In fact, I was listening just the other day on, on, on the radio to Andrew Marr uh, the other morning, and it was actually a program about witches, which isn't very Christmassy. Um, but in a past comment, Andrew Marr um, kind of mentioned that we live in a world where there are not that many uh, practicing Christians, say, compared to the 1500s or 1700s or whatever. But do you know what? As I was listening to that, I remember, I know now, Jesus now, more than any other time in history, has been worshipped across the globe, a third of the planet, two and a half billion people profess to be practicing Christians. In fact, the Bible is still actually the, uh, the best-selling book ever, way outstripping any religious or fiction books. And those, just those basic two facts, if you're an inquisitive or thinking person here today, you'd want to know why, wouldn't you? I mean, I certainly would. And what I would like to propose over the next 10 minutes or so tonight is that Christmas, friends, is the answer to that question. More accurately, Jesus' Christmas name, as we've sang and as we've heard read there, Jesus' Christmas name, Emmanuel, meaning God with us, um, is precisely why so many people from all walks of life and from all nations, as we're seeing here tonight, put their trust and hope in Jesus throughout the centuries and actually more than ever in our day, in your day. You see, virtually in every other mainstream faith or worldview, God is some distant, I don't know if you've noticed this, God is some distant, far-off, unreachable force or thing pointing his finger at you, telling you what to do, waiting to catch you out. But this Christmas baby, friends, is very different. He is God with us, first and foremost. And as an ordinary human being, fairly ordinary anyway, um, watching life play out all around me, on the telly, in the newspapers with my friends and neighbors, and actually every 10 minutes as a GP in my clinics, as someone who has lost, his fam lost some of his family members to COVID, whose mom died of breast cancer in her 50s, whose, bro whose brother ended his life when he was only 28, um, in all that ordinary mess, I have become convinced more than anything, 
with this God with us. This God with us is probably the most strengthening, hope-bringing, joy-declaring comfort that I have ever experienced in the whole of my life. And really as an interlude to all the brilliant singing, we've had brilliant singing uh, tonight uh, that we've had, I'd like to give you just very quickly, quick, 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 three reasons, three reasons um, why Jesus why Jesus, and actually it came in a conversation that Jesus had with his friend called Thomas, why this Christian God Jesus with us, God with us, is so groundbreaking. Now, does anybody remember this guy, this, the conversation was with a guy called Thomas? Does anybody remember who Thomas was? Doubting Thomas was his nickname. And he was called Doubting Thomas on the very first Easter. Why? Because after Jesus' death on the cross and his miraculous resurrection, um, Thomas wouldn't believe, couldn't believe his own eyes when he saw Jesus standing there right in front of him until he put his hands, get this, right into Jesus' crucifixion wounds. <laughs> Pretty gross. However, however, I think he had a point. If the Jesus of Christmas and indeed Easter wasn't real, he wasn't going to waste his time. And neither should we. Go home if he's not real. But Jesus' response to Thomas, to you and me tonight, thinking about this, I think what, what Jesus says to Thomas is both profound and staggering. And this is what he said to Thomas. Listen, he says, Thomas... I am the way, the truth, and the life. Three reasons that would change the world, change how people related to God, change how a third of the globe would experience grace-filled, love-saturated worship from now on. Everything has changed. Now, maybe you're a doubting Thomas or a doubting Catherine or a James or whatever your name is you know what? You are really welcome here. Come again. Now, let's go, let's go to the reasons. Reason one, he is the way. Question, have you ever lost anything? Have you ever lost anything? Your keys, your car, your dog. I was going to write your mind in here, but I'd scrub that out. You see, you see, I'm forever losing things. I am rubbish. I've lost jackets and keys and shopping and my three-year-old daughter in Tesco, and wallets, and cards, and remote controls, and all sorts of things. The list goes on. I remember once uh, I got to work, and Charlotte, my wife, sent me a text saying, found your computer mouse. It was in the washing machine, obviously. And as for getting lost going places, well, that's just a daily occurrence for me. My Afghan friend, Baz Mohammed, who was a real shepherd, we've been singing about shepherds tonight, haven't we? Baz Mohammed, before he came to the UK as an asylum seeker, really related to how the Bible described the human condition of lostness. Have you ever thought about that? This is what the Bible says. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, totally lost. Each of us has turned to our own way instead of God. Baz knew about this firsthand with his sheep. He knew what they were like. And you know what? God knows this firsthand about all of us when we relate to him. 
what we see around us and what we feel and experience within us, the mess, if you like, in amongst the beauty, we are lost. And at Christmas time, friends, we remember again, don't we? Emmanuel, this God with us, is born right in the middle of the mess with the sheep in a stable, not in a palace fit for a king, but in the dirt in the ordinariness of life, declaring he is the way. He will lead you out of your mess into beauty everlasting. That's a big promise. Reason two, he also said he is the truth. With a lot of truths out there, which one do you choose? With so many lists of do-its and don't-do-its and rules and regulations and morality codes, which one's right? More importantly, when you choose the right one, whichever one that is, how do you realistically, realistically follow them? Being who you want to be, who you want your kids to be, I think is very, very tough. One of the most penetrating statements I have heard about the human condition was from the great philosopher, Popeye the Sailor Man. Remember him? Remember him? He was great. <coughs> I loved how he'd get into tricky situations, requiring him to be strong. And when this strength was needed, he would take a can of spinach from his sailor's hat and gulp it down. And then these muscles, not on me, obviously, these muscles would pop up on his arms and legs and his tattoos would get bigger, his pipe would waggle and he was ready for action. Popeye the sailor man. If you have no idea, by the way, what I'm talking about, you haven't lived. <coughs> but what I also remember was when this hero of mine was frustrated, when he felt inadequate, he would simply say, do you remember this? I am what I am. I am what I am. And you know what? It would tug on our heartstrings, wouldn't it? It was generally offered as an explanation of his shortcomings, his ordinariness, his failures. Don't get your hopes up, he seemed to say. Don't expect too much of me. I am what I am. And when things got really gloomy, do you remember what he said? And that's all I am. And that's all I am. The struggle between inner disappointment and hope, who we want to be and who we actually are. The truth is, friends, I am what I am. And that's all I am. From Boris to Mother Teresa. And Jesus says to that heart cry, my truth, the truth, God's unshakable truth will never disappoint another Massive promise. He is the way. He is the truth. But most of all, reason three. Jesus promises us finally that he is the life. One of my favorite pieces of art is Michelangelo's The Creation of Adam on the ceiling of the Vatican's Sistine Chapel in Rome. Pardon the tickle tackle, by the way. Sorry. This painting has spoken to millions of people for over half a millennia. In this painting, the figure of God on the right is painted as someone who is going out of his way to reach out to Adam. 
if you look closely, God is twisting his body to move, uh, to, to get more closely to Adam. His body um, is moving closer and closer, as close as possible. His head is turned towards him. His gaze is fixed on him. God's arm is stretched out. His finger is fully extended. Every muscle in his body is taut. This God is rushing forward toward Adam on a cloud, one of the chariots of heaven, propelled by angels. I think Michelangelo might be trying to say something. And it's this. In the midst of all the splendor and all the wonder of all of creation as life bursts out in all its beauty and majesty, This actually isn't the main thing that's captivating our God. No way. Rather, his entire being is wrapped up in this one and only desire to close the gap between himself and Adam. You and me. Offering Adam, you and me, life with God, life to the full, life eternal. Again, God with us. But get this, having come so close, he doesn't force himself on Adam, does he? He allows Adam just a little space to choose, to love, to friendship. He waits for Adam to make his move. One art critic writes this, All of man's and woman's potential, physical and spiritual, is contained in this one timeless moment. Will Adam, invite God in. That's the question that's posed in this, um, in this piece of art. And I guess the point of this painting is to ask you the very same question. Jesus says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh in tune with God's heart. That's his promise. More than that, he says, I will come to you. I'll make you my home. I will put my feet in your suffering shoes. I will walk with you in the highs and the lows, the hardships and the celebration, the sorrow and the scars. God with you, friends, always. Will you invite God in? And I guess I would like to leave you with that thought this Christmas, to put it out there, as it were, to come maybe to our next Alpha, which you're going to hear about later, maybe with a friend or a partner, to consider these outrageous claims. This good news changed my life and the lives of many all over, from doctors to diggers to teachers to tyrants to actors to addicts. Christmas, friends, is all about him. The way, the truth, the life. He really is the greatest gift of all. And I have seen that over the last 23 years of worshiping this amazing God. So thank you for listening. I'm done. And I hope you all have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Now let's sing about this Christmas baby some more. Enjoy the rest of the service. Thank you.